and good morning and welcome to Let's Talk. I'm Tracy Morgan. So nice to have you with us today. All right. So this is our day that we get to talk with great professionals uh, from Q3 Capital Management. Tom Verostek is with us. He's the owner of Q3 Capital Management right here in Butler County. And we've been talking to him a lot about money and money issues. And we're going to continue that, kind of look back at what he was talking about a year ago, how that seems to come has come to fruition um, and how do we adapt and how do we move forward? So we'll be talking about those things financially here in just a moment. But first, let me just give you a quick rundown of how you can listen because you can listen to us on the radio at 680 AM, 107.5 FM. You have us on Alexa power devices. You can listen to us streaming online at WISR680.com. And of course, there's the app wherever you get your apps. You can download that and listen that way as well. And we can be mobile together. All right. Tom is with me. Tom is in studio. Hi, Tom. How are you? Great. Good morning, Tracy. Good. Now, I want to ask you kind of where are we? Where are we going? And, mm. and we'll get to that in a second because it's always an interesting conversation. Sure. You and I have had the same conversation about this is an interesting time, mm-hmm. multiple times. So let me first start off this way, because I was uh, recalling what we have talked about in the past on a couple of different issues. Now, there was one time we talked about crypto. We did a whole entire show on crypto um, currency. Inflation we had talked about. We had talked about interest rates. And it was interesting because I'll just say roughly a year ago, I mean, to the date, I'm not exactly sure, but it was mm-hmm. within the past year. You were talking about things like, you know, crypto just wasn't going to hold up. Uh, you were talking about inflation, how it's going to be higher. Now, this was like a year ago. Um, interest rates, they would probably raise. And, and you kind of fast forward to where we are today. So in my question of where are we today, it seems like all those things back then have come to fruition. I know you're not, mm. you don't have a crystal ball in front of you. I, I, I understand that. And we were just having a conversation a year ago, but it just is interesting on how that has come to fruition. Any thoughts yes. on how that has come to be? Or the question is, can I, can I continue this uh, forward looking? Yeah, ability? really? Yeah. Can you tell us what's <laughs> happening tomorrow? Yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, we, it, it, everything has happened. Um, almost, I feel like been repeating ourselves mm-hmm, for the mm-hmm. past year but uh it all has kind of panned out that way and and uh yeah so higher inflation you know i think when you when we saw the, the turn in oil um the supply and demand completely flip uh and reverse course uh of what had happened the previous eight years um that was sort of you know energy controls a lot and, and there's a lot of a lot of domino effect from energy so I think at the pinnacle, that's the that's the root cause of inflation, uh, as we've all seen, um, and it affects everybody. Obviously, it's 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 from producing things to transporting. Uh, I mean, uh, and and just we use it so much in our daily lives. So that's that's a that's a uh, obviously everybody's watching. Energy inflation are probably under the microscope more than ever. More than shouldn't say more than ever, but we there's only a few times in the last 50 years you've had to pay attention to it. Um, and I think, uh, so I think a lot of people are, uh, fell into some complacency, I should say. And, um, maybe this is a, a surprise, but I think for, for us, there was plenty of signals ahead of time. So, um, so where do we go from here? That's, uh, that's a great question. Um, obviously we've got, uh, a couple of things that are at least on, on my radar right now. Um, one is. Yeah, you know, the obvious, uh, and I'm I'm going to dodge any any political questions you might throw my way. So I'll just 
skip that part. But but we do have the midterm elections, and and that could have effect. The way I look at it, I always try to translate to what you know news might actually have an effect on the markets. And certainly, like I said, inflation is the, probably the number one thing to watch in the news. And and you know, last month we came in what is it tenth one tenth lower um, for. Uh, I guess it was October. Yeah. I'm sorry, September. So here we are in October. And uh, so it really hasn't gone away. It hasn't changed uh, significantly. I mean, remember, the Fed needs, they have a target of about 2% on inflation. And uh, it was, what, 8.2? 8.2. So got a long way to go. Um, it'll be a while before inflation pulls back to that level. Uh, but that's their number one goal. There's, there's a whole list of reasons why. I'm not going to go into that. Um, but it certainly is a, a good thing that we live in this country and we have a central bank that, that more or less controls the price of money. Uh, we have the world reserve currency. There's obviously plenty of discussion about that, whether that'll continue. But for right now, that's the way it is. The dollar has become stronger throughout this. There's reasons for that. Um, and, you know, I'll just say this quickly, I don't want to sound like my father or everyone's father, but, um, you know, if, if things sound too good to be true, kind of relating to cryptocurrency, they probably are. It's a, it's a, that was a speculative thing. One of the arguments you're not hearing anymore is that currencies are volatile. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, you know, crypto's down, I, I forget it's past 50%. It's maybe 60% by now from a year ago. So, um, if that isn't hasn't gotten your attention, and that doesn't in in large letters spell volatility, I don't know what is. Um, but I think there's 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 definitely my concern is there's there's definitely a lot of confusion out there and a lot of speculation still uh, that we uh, I think we're sort of mimicking the uh, 1999 2000 you know, all that tech tech dot com yeah, fervor. Yeah. Um, the you know, we kind of saw that, you know, the past few years. Yeah. And maybe that's, maybe that's related to all this money that's you know, just being dispersed out there in the system. Um, when there's so much money out there and it's, it's next to free to borrow, that, that's, that's when you sort of the aftermath, the, the sort of a, a delay um, historically, you see inflation kicking in. So it's not just energy. It's also, you know, we've, we've seen a couple of forces come at, at the same time, a kind of a perfect storm where an inflation has been brewed, so to speak, from, from not just higher uh, energy prices, uh, the costs, but also cheap money, either cheap or free money. You know, between the pandemic, all the checks that went out, and the low interest rates. Now, by design, that was to con you know, keep the economic activity going glo globally. So all of the central banks did it. Um, I would say that, you know, if there's any fault um, that the Federal Reserve has in all this is, you know, they have a very powerful tool, the most powerful tool in terms of global economic activity. And they used it. They, they, they propped up the system, the, the ec economy, with low rates a couple years ago. Where they, where they fell short, in my opinion, is once things kind of re rebounded and came back, they should have started to 
take the punch bowl away, so to speak. And that they didn't do. It took too long to do that. Um, so, you know, inflation is kind of, I, I liken it to a forest fire. The longer you wait to do something about it, the more uh, radical steps you have to take. So everyone's complaining about the, you know, the fact that the Fed has to raise rates. Well, they have to raise rates. They waited too long to start raising rates. And so now they're forced to literally try to choke. I hate to say choke, but they need to slow um, the spending, the demand side of the equation. Because the supply, supply side isn't, isn't really something that's uh, going to change or drastically change. Although there's a few things happening there that I think we all need to be concerned about. One is uh, what the Saudis said, we're cutting back by 2 million barrels a day. Um, not a good thing. I think that worked out to be about 2% of global production on a daily basis. Um, co coinciding with that is here in November, I believe that strategic petroleum reserve release is, you know, I think it was a million dollars million barrels a day. I believe that's, um, they're going to stop that in November. Um, so you have those two things coming in, um, in the next month. And, uh, you know, we've, we've seen, um, that release of those, those petroleum reserves sort of stem off, you know, kind of, we've seen some gas price reduction, right? So that's had some relief to the supply side. Um, and I guess demand has, has not you know increased so that's been a good thing but uh, there could be some change you know th these two events coming into into play in the in the next month um, along with the midterm so we've got got a few things that are happening in the next 30 days that could uh, well it just could could have an effect um, and 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 good or bad actually I think there there's some good and there's some uh, not so good um, things that could happen in the next 30 days. So uh, we're in interesting times. How about that? I always wonder about the consumer mindset on where we are today versus, I don't know, 30, 40, even 50 years ago. Because it, it, it's interesting to me where, not that I want to see anybody do without, I, I, that's not my point and what I'm about to say, but it just feels like years ago, there was a mindset that they knew that they could live minimally minimally, if I could say that. Mm. Um, when we talk about consumer spending now, it feels like people are just continuing on spending what they were spending, whether it's on credit cards now, whether it's online shopping now, you know, it doesn't feel like that there's much of a loss of what we were doing in the first place, an adjustment there. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It, it, I'm just wondering where the consumer mindset is. Because if I have to do without all the extras in life, I'm going to have to do uh, without the extras in life. But it just feels like this society right now is a matter of, no, I'm going to go ahead and get my car. And I'm going to go ahead forward and, and make my purchases. I'm going to go ahead and go shopping. Sure. Yeah, I th you're right. There, I mean, there's a different, a different mindset today than there were uh, back in the 70s when we last had inflation to this magnitude. Um, there's a reliance on credit for sure, and uh, credit credit is going up. The, the amount of household credit. Um, so you're yeah you're right. I think that's that goes hand in hand with you know the government spending. You know we're we're they're used to again as long as you've got next to near zero inflation, 
And you then have, because of that, you have a low interest rate policy because you can, you can, I mean, literally you're, you're trying to, for the past 20 years, the federal reserve and including the bank of Japan, Europe, they've been trying to keep us out of a deflationary environment, which, you know, there's no known cure, so to speak. In that world, deflation, uh, you know, where do you go when you, after you've gone to zero interest rates? So, you know, Japan's been there since the early 90s, um, and they've had deflation. Um, and and there, that's an interesting, but Japan's not a, as large of an economy as, say, China and U.S., but they're, they're still significant, very significant. Um but Japan has been, gosh, their their debt to GDP ratio is, I think, the only one that's higher than the United States. It's like close to two hundred percent, which is really scary. Um, you know, we're we're depending on when you when you get the the print. Uh, the U.S. Uh, debt to GDP is around one twenty five, one hundred twenty five percent, one hundred thirty, um, and so that's that's we have not had uh, anything like the consumer spending um, of, the, of the 70s, really since the last 20, 20 years, we haven't really had to pull back. Uh, it's, it's interesting because I, I, I just came across some, some old, um, gosh, I'm trying to stay out of the politics, but I just remember one of the, when I was fairly young, right around the same time I, I was made aware of Paul Volcker and the mm-hmm. Federal Reserve, which I don't consider to be a political animal, so to speak. I mean, they, they are more about setting monetary policy. They're, they're, they're about e- being independent. They're, they're not supposed to be politically influenced. Um, you know, obviously some of them may be, but, but in the end, they've got to answer to the markets. They've got to, more so the economy, you know, keep inflation uh, low and, and what are you have to do with interest rates. That's, that's the primary mechanism, money supply and interest rates. So to some degree, they're, they're more, you know, separated and, and, I remember Paul Volcker. He was a very unpopular person on the planet. Most unpopular, I would say, on the planet. If there were, you know, the, the people, what is it, People Magazine, the sexiest man alive. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, he would be the most unpopular man gotcha. on the planet, okay? And gotcha. Call it Forbes Magazine or, you know. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. So for two years, he was the most unpopular man on the planet because he had double-digit interest rates. Double-digit, okay? Think of double-digit interest rates. And, 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 and the economy was just chugging along. Really, obviously, we, we had, he had to take it into a recession. And we haven't really had to do that here. We haven't, we haven't, that hasn't been part of our vocabulary. Um, and I also, but I also remember at that time, okay, I won't even name some, some of the politicians, but it was about cutting back, you know, live with less. And, you know, and, and I, and I get that from a, from an economic standpoint, it's okay if you can reduce some of the demand, the overall demand for certain things, namely, you know, oil um, or gasoline, then then the equation starts to you know you get you get a settling down of, of inflation. Okay, if you can't change the supply side, then then let's try to influence the demand side. Um, so, and, and I think to some degree. There's some efforts in in that regard right now, but I I don't think you can do one without the other. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, you've got you've got to both of those two have to sort of line up um, in terms of um, 
you know, supply has to be appropriate, do whatever you have to do on that end. And yes, if there's ways to mitigate demand, um, some people will just have to do it because, and, and that's the, you know, that's the intangible as far as the, the economy, he, consumer behavior will adjust. Um, and, you know, if it gets us through that period and inflation comes down, you know, the great thing about when Paul Volcker did that two years, he hung in there, he stuck, stuck with it. He, he, he had studied it. I think he had done his doctorate on it back in the fifties. So here, fast forward to the late seventies, early eighties. So he'd, you know, made a career of basically understanding monetary policy and inflation and the connection. Um, But since 1982, mid-1982, Paul Volcker's efforts paid off. We had low inflation, robust economy, robust market. So I think short-term pain, long-term gain. We could see that uh, coming about. But you have to have a little bit bigger perspective. Yeah. And when you talk about adjustments, and I had asked you earlier about, in a sense, uh, consumers adapting to their behaviors, their spending behaviors, What's your response on people being able to adapt, especially if you're going to be on the um, investor side? You know, I mean, if, if you are now coming, if I'm now a client of yours, you know, I come to you and say, can you help me out? Are, are people willing to adjust in this world, in, in this environment that we're in right now? Well, you know, it's funny you, you say that because uh, as I was driving up here um, to the radio station this morning, you know, I was looking around and the sun was coming across the trees and the brilliant reds and oranges and and it, and it reminded me of the, this, not only the change that we're enjoying right now in, in the uh, season, but also right after that, we all know what it's, it's mm-hmm. going to be like. Um, and so we adapt. Yeah. So it kind of relates to, I, start, I started to relate it to we as the human species, it's our unique ability to adapt. It's what separates us um, from other species. So we, we will adapt. And and in this environment, whether you know it or not, or believe it or not, you've already adapted to, to what has happened, uh, to to the inflation effect. Um, uh, but also as it relates to, to the markets and investments, yeah, uh, I, I think what you have to be careful of is um, re- reacting. There's a difference between adapting and reacting, and um, certainly with the markets. Uh, with a, some of the swift moves, um, you can you can em- emotionally react, and probably mo- in that case may not be making the best decisions. So there there is you know one of the biggest things we focus on is is a discipline. Um, the hardest thing to do, you know, the, the the best thing to do as an investor is to save. Um, Number one, number two, don't invest, don't speculate. So it's kind of relating to crypto, um, and three, to not do the opposite of what I'm. The golden discipline is, and that is to buy low, sell high, right? And that, that those are two very difficult things to do. Um, but but oftentimes when emotions kick in and, and volatility is in the markets, you you almost do the opposite. You um, you might sell low, uh, which is the worst time to sell, and then you kind of sit on the sidelines and wait for things to come around and things to improve, and 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 sort of get a, a, a level of confidence to to you know invest again, and you know so then you get in. Well, that could be, gosh, you know, 
could be a, a three months, could be a year, could be five years. I've seen people have witnessed that, that kind of thing. And uh, it's not it's generally not good for your financial health to, to make those kind of decisions. So emotionally, it's not a good thing um, to react. Um, there are numbers out there that support what I'm saying. You know, if you miss the pe- best 10 days uh, out of 10 years, uh, you know, you, something like 70% of the upside, I'm, I'm rounding here. But it's, it's something really alarming that, that if you miss just a handful of days, which could probably be added up to uh, 30 days or less, 30 days of the, of the best days out of, out of 10 years can amount to something like 80% of the upside. So it's, the market does have significant moves uh, and short bursts, and that's why you, you, know, you want to have a good discipline uh, and a good game plan. Well, how do you deal that, with that if you're of a certain age group where if they're hearing you right now talk about it could be a year, could be five years, and they're concerned that maybe they themselves don't have that five years. How do you work this to your advantage, your, your money to your advantage, but don't react mm. in a negative way? Right. I think you're talking about a, a, a time horizon, really. Uh, so anytime your, your time horizon becomes shorter, and, and that, that goes for, um, okay, you, you have suddenly you, whatever, for whatever reason, you can, you have some new money, mm-hmm. right? You inherited it, you sold a business or whatever. And so what, you, but that money is supposed to go to buying a house or some kind of outlay, college education. So, and if that's in the next, you know, two, three years, well, your time horizon for that money is much shorter. So you need to position accordingly. That, that's, so everything, one of the first things we always do is just try to identify what the money is for and when and, and get an idea of that time horizon. So, you know, obviously if you can't invest, um, you know, for for certain companies, there's a payoff in, in their strategy. Maybe they've come, you know, I'll use pharma as an example. They come out with a Maybe uh, they're researching a new drug. It's going through FDA. And so they expect in three to four years uh, this blockbuster new cure for whatever. Um, so you invest in this company and, and you, you believe that, you know, they've got what, what it takes. And it's going to be three, four years. Oh, that's a longer time horizon. Now, to some, I'm, I'm using that as a, maybe a not a good example because it's a little bit ex- a, a speculative thing. But just e- even in, in general any company that that might be implementing a new strategy, a new product, and it may take a few years to market it and and, and get it produced and so forth, um, that takes time. And so that is investing. That is investing as opposed to just speculating. Uh, so you, you've got to have your, your identified your time horizon. Okay. But in this in this world, some things have changed and that's what I'm I guess I'm harping on is, is an ability to adapt. Uh, you know, interest rates going up, you can look at it as a bad thing, but at the same time, the way I look at it is bond invest. Speaking of older investors, people in their retirement years, relying on their investments to produce income, that is, that is something over the last 20 years with the low interest rates we've had. Traditionally, you can you can lean on your bond part of your portfolio 
one, to have a little bit more stability than stocks, but, but also to produce some kind of return, yield. And with low interest rates, we just haven't seen that. So it's been a real headwind for investors. So I look at the higher interest rates as a silver lining for the first time in 20 years, you actually might see in a, a sustainable yield uh, coming from that part of your portfolio. The, the fixed income, the bond side of your portfolio um, w- should produce something meaningful and, and, and you don't have to stick your neck out, you know, taking more risky thing investments than you might feel comfortable with. So uh, that's definitely a silver lining in, in all of this. Um, but at the same time, you, you got to be able to look for other things. On the stock side, you know, profitable companies, their balance sheets, gets back to some basic things. You know, are they profitable? They have good cash flow? Do they pay a, a dividend? Uh, and you have to be careful with dividends because occasionally you'll get companies that, you know, pay a really high dividend, but maybe their balance sheet isn't looking so good. Uh, are they trying to draw investors in? And, and otherwise, maybe there's not enough revenue generation or growth in the future. So uh, it's not just about you know, dividends. But I think those are going. That's going to be more uh, on on everybody's radar going forward. Is profitable companies you know, that pay dividends, and certainly that is that is a lot different than the, the past decade for sure. You know, we've seen these these companies with huge growth. Uh, and, and they're out, they're still out there. I, I don't want to take away from them. There's there's definitely a lot of companies that are innovative, and they have um, a new, almost a new generation of, of of whether it's innovation or technology that is undeniable. So th- they will still exist. But I think you're going to see uh, what we call value or dividend type companies um, either you know perform as well or maybe better going forward. Tom Verostek of Q3 Capital Management right here in Butler County. He can help you out with, with your needs. And, and we only have about four minutes left, but can you give us like a synopsis of, of what people do come to you for? Well, these days, it's, it, it's definitely guidance, uh, advice. Obviously, uh, with the, I'm a board-certified financial planner, so we do the financial planning but I think where the rubber meets the road is portfolio management, risk management. Um, that is that is the main focus. Um, and obviously, I like what I do. I, I, this is very interesting to me. I like the the changing uh, uh, effect that that maybe the economy or the markets have on on a portfolio. That's something we're always well aware of. So, so we can give you a call. We could meet yeah. with you in person. I know you can do a virtual meeting if, if that needed to be the situation. And and the other thing that I, I appreciate what you do with your clients is that you walk them through. It's not a 15-minute meeting and then mm. you're done. You know, you, they can always come back and, and ask you questions and um, get another appointment and, and you can walk them through. Q3capital.net is the website. Give us your contact information. Tom at Q3capital.net. That's the email and that's what most people do, but uh, you can always call us on the old-fashioned telephone, and that's 724-940-3927. Again, Tom Verostek with Q3 Capital Management, helping you manage your money. And um, and again, as we always say, that uh, you know, you and I are just 
kind of having a conversation. So if you're going to make any decisions off of this conversation, I know that you would recommend people not do that. You'd, you'd prefer you'd prefer for somebody to talk to a professional. Professional, correct. And I also might add that uh, um, I'm part of Commonwealth Financial Network, member of FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. So before we go, last couple of minutes, any final thoughts that you'd like to share with us? Because the question of where are we and, and what's the future hold is, is a huge conversation. But what would you like to leave with us today? Well, I think uh, just keeping in mind that uh, this too shall pass. If, if you're going through some struggling times, I'd, I'd say just work hard, save your money, and, and have a good disciplined approach to uh, your financial affairs. Very good, Tom. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure talking to you. Likewise. Thanks, All Tracy. Right. Again, Tom Vrostek with Q3 Capital Management. I'm Tracy Morgan. If you would like to listen to our conversation again, maybe you joined us a little bit late or you would like to get this information again, I'm going to point you to our website, which is wisr680.com. You're going to pick programs, drop that down to Let's Talk, and you'll be able to find our information there. Thanks so much. I'm Tracy Morgan with the Butler Radio Network.